0: Hey, True North Church, how are we doing this morning? Good, okay, it's so exciting to see so many of you. Some of you we just haven't seen in a while. It's, co- it's so good to see just faces that we haven't seen in probably over a year in person. It's, it's so cool to see us back together. I'm excited today. We're going to be in Exodus 2 and also in Stephen, uh, Stephen. It's Stephen's speech in Acts 7. So you can flip to those two passages of Scripture, Exodus 2 and Acts 7. 7 today, uh, that's where we'll be. This is the fifth message in the series called Blood and Water. Uh, I'm so excited for this, excited to go through a whole book of the Bible as a church, and I hope you're excited too. The first two weeks of this uh, series, Philip talked about Genesis, okay, and we got the story there, and uh, the last two weeks we talked about Exodus, and we kind of got the origin story of Moses, okay? And what's fun about the origin story, we, we, we looked at the story of him being put in the basket in the Nile and just God's hand being over him as he floated down this dangerous Nile as he ended up in the hands of Pharaoh's daughter, okay? And God's hand was over him, protected him. And this week we kind of see he's grown up in this Egyptian culture, and just to go back to the origin story, like I think of superheroes, right? Obviously, I think of Superman. I don't know who you think of when you think of superheroes. And I think of Spider-Man experiencing his, uh, his uh, superpowers for the first time, okay? And I think of him swinging and jumping from building to building, and he's just testing his limits. And what does he do? Who remembers the very first Spider-Man movie? He plummets, right? He just falls down to the sidewalk below and he experiences like the extent, right? His strengths to the fullest extent and he also experiences his weaknesses as he falls to the sidewalk below. I'm reminded of myself looking at the story that we're going to look at today. I'm reminded of me being a young adult, okay? And some of you are looking at me and you're thinking, Josh, you are a young adult. I'm talking about even younger adult, like 22 years old. I came up uh, for a three-week mission trip, and three days in, decided that I was going to move up to Alaska. Okay, I caught the bug, as so many of us do. I wanted mountains, so I moved up here, and uh, really didn't know what I was getting into. Some of you were actually here for this. Okay, I moved into a Sunday school classroom with two check-in bags, It was a lot of fun. That was me for like a year here. And just over the course of that year, I really experienced my weaknesses. I kind of got to experience some of my strengths. And like during this whole time, I had like this calling. I knew I wanted to do youth ministry, but really wasn't sure where that was going to take me. I wasn't sure of the destination. And just reading the story of Joseph, Joseph today, not Joseph, Moses today, I am reminded of that. I can feel that. So I just want you to think about your young adulthood. Maybe, maybe right now, maybe you're struggling with your calling. You don't know, you know, what, what you're doing with your life. That is very much where Moses is today, okay? So I want you to join me. We'll start off in Exodus 2, 11 through 25, and we'll read this. It says this, one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they, had, when they came home to their father rule, he said, how is it that you have come home so soon today? During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So today I have one big point. I hope that you will write this down. Uh, You've heard it so many times. God sees, and God knows. I'll say that again, God sees and God knows. And that phrase is going to form so many of the points that I give you today. God sees and God knows. I want to ask that you will join me in prayer. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the book of Exodus and just the story of your people, the story of these people who are being oppressed. I just pray that we see you in this story today. Pray that we just see that you have come. You have given us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Exodus 2 and in Stephen's speech in Acts 7, we actually see two accounts of, story, or, or, of Moses' story. And we actually see different things, different details. That's why I'm looking at both of these today. And it's so interesting. In Exodus 2.11, it says this, when Moses had grown up, I want you to write this down. God sees Moses and God knows Moses. That's so important to know as we go forward today. If you want to start a list of like God sees blank, God sees and God knows blank, uh, just a list of these phrases. I'm going to give you several today. God sees Moses and God knows Moses. And we see in Exodus 2.11 when Moses had grown up. Okay, so I want you to think, when you think of a grown-up, I typically think of an 18 to 25-year-old. I don't know if that's just being limited to my age. That's what I think of. I don't know what you think of, but I want us to read this in Acts 7, 23 through 24. It says this. When he was 40 years old, that's important. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brother's The children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. Okay, so we're seeing two things here. We're first seeing when he had grown up, okay, and we're also seeing at 40 years old, okay. So what we have here, and this is gonna be so encouraging for some of you today, we should probably extend the age of what it means to be a young adult to 40. Yeah? I got one amen. That was good. We we probably should extend that, okay? But here's what we also see in that. He spent 40 years watching his people be oppressed. It was this 40-year buildup of him watching his people be oppressed, right? Be abused, be enslaved. It was 40 years of this, and if you're around that age today, just imagine spending your lifetime watching people you care about, people you love, be oppressed, Like, can you just imagine that? It's crazy. Time doesn't limit the pain of constant oppression, whether it is 40 years, four months, four days. If you're in oppression, you are constantly looking for a way out, okay? And it was 40 years of this, 40 years of Moses watching people that he cared about be enslaved, be oppressed, so what we also see in Acts 7:25 it's so interesting he believed that God was calling him. He believed that he was going to be the savior. He believed that he was going to be the one to save these people from being enslaved. In Acts 7:25 it says this. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hands. By his hands. But they did not understand. So we see here this this young man, this 40-year-old, he's grown up, and he believes God is going to use him to save these people. Moses felt a call to save his people before the burning bush, okay? So knowing that, I want you to catch what's happening here. God was speaking to Moses as a young adult. God was saying, I will use you to save my people. But what happened with Moses and what happens with so many of us, he acts out and he does he tries to fulfill this calling by his own hands. In Exodus two, eleven through 15, I want us to read this story. It says this, When Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. It's so important to note that Moses grew up in violence, okay? He experienced a whole generation. He, he, he grew up in an environment, in a culture where a whole generation of ba- male babies were thrown in the Nile. He grew up in violence, and in this moment, he acted out in what he grew up in, okay? He acted out in violence. And he killed a man. And I just wonder, since this was probably the first act of violence we see him do, as he was killing this man, we don't know if he hit him to death, if he threw stones at him, we really don't know. But if he was just sitting there, and the cost of violence, the cost of death was just slowly making itself known to him. Right? In this moment, he, he, he acted out. He did this by his own hands. He saw that his plan fell apart and he just called it a thing. That's also so important to know. He, he, he looked at this thing, this moment, he acted out, he did this by his hands, and all, he looked at it, it was technically a sin, and all he could do is he called it a thing. He couldn't even call his sin a sin, right? He ignored his weaknesses. So I want you to add this to your list today. God sees our weaknesses, and God knows how to use them. Okay, we talked about that in Genesis a couple of weeks ago. He sees our weaknesses, and he knows how to use them. You see, when we step out of God's calling and God's timing, we just display our weakness, okay? We just throw it out there. We display our weakness. We reveal it, and we create things that hurt us, things that send us running. We look back and talk about it as a bad decision. When we do things by our own hands and not his hands, only disorder follows, and it's so embarrassing, Like, I just want you to imagine just Moses sitting there, he's looking at this dead man as he's trying to cover up this dead body with this sand. Right, sand, okay, Egyptian sand. I don't know if you've experienced yet, but I know this, you have experienced snow. All right, dry snow, especially here this last month. And if any of you are like me, you allow the dry snow to just rest on your hood, you don't actually scrape it up, because you know when you hit the highway, okay, and I know you, you're not going to speed, but you're going to go fast on the highway, and as you're going fast, that snow's just going to blow past you, right, you're like me, and you're in the Millennium Falcon going light speed, any of you have that feeling, like, that's what I'm doing, and this dry snow that we experience is so much like this dry sand that he's putting over this dead body, and God is like this wind that just comes and reveals our big mistake, right, and we relate so much, because when we sin, when we make mistakes, we just want to hide it, We just wanna hide our mistakes. And Jesus reveals it. We cannot hide our sin, right? Uh, His his glory, right, He, he, he died on the cross for us and in that moment when he died on the cross for us, all of our sin was revealed. And it's so important to know. God sees our hidden sins and God knows how to best expose them. God sees our hidden sins, and he knows how to best expose them. Jesus wore them on the cross, yet we can still sit here in the sand just trying to cover up our sins and mistakes as Moses did, trying to hide it, and I just wonder what if we just stopped playing in the sand for a little bit and we looked to Jesus on the cross. This is, we relate to Moses so much here. Moses tried to rush God's plan and made a huge mistake. He committed a sin. He couldn't handle the stillness of waiting for God to fulfill his covenants. The stillness that God displayed as Moses waited on God was just too much. And we just can't forget that God uses these moments of stillness in our lives to further our faith. Moses couldn't handle this and he ran. So through the combination of Exodus 2 and Stephen's speech in Acts 7, I want to encourage you sometime just read all of Stephen's speech. This is the speech he gives before he is martyred. Uh, We we still get a few more details. In fact, we see that he's running from two things. In Exodus 2.15, we actually see that he is running from Pharaoh's wrath. It says this, when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down. By OL. So he's running from two things. The first thing is he's running because there is a death sentence on him. He has killed a man, and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is wanting to kill him as punishment. But the second thing that he is running from, I feel like we relate to so much when we make mistakes. I want you to read this in Acts. It's in Acts seven twenty-six through twenty-nine. It says this, and I'm just going to reread the whole entire account. And on the following day, Moses appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And at this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, he became the father of two sons so we actually see two things today he is first of all running because there's a death sentence on his life but he's also running and we relate to this because the people who he trusted the people who were supposed to believe in him the people who are supposed to side on him betrayed him retorted him called out his wrong and he does what we so often do in those moments he ran he ran so we see two things caused him to run today. And yeah, I don't know if you've ever killed anybody and ran because there was a death in, saw in your life, but you've probably run before because people you loved and cared for didn't believe in you. So Moses was running. And we see that Moses wasn't just running from his Hebrew heritage. He was also running from his Egyptian heritage. He was running from two things in his life. There's several things that indicate this. First of all, the distance that he runs is equivalent to 129 miles of driving. Okay, he decided to run that far. That would be about 50, it was 50 miles from the burning bush. He most likely walked, ran, fled for a whole entire week straight. Even the meaning of his own son's name implies that he is lost and doesn't know where he is. He names his son Gershom, which means to be a sojourner in a foreign land. He is lost. He's accepted the fact that he's just going to have to reside in a land that isn't his home. He let go of violence. Okay, notice the contrast between him saving the daughters of rule and him saving the Hebrew. The shepherds had to wait in line and weren't happy for it. Moses saw another opportunity for justice, but this time he didn't act as violently. Okay, he just shoes them off. He also chooses to become a shepherd. This was detestable to Egyptians. You can read this in Genesis 46 through 34 if you want to, but it says that people, the Egyptians, looked at shepherds as abominations. This would be like the... the, difference between like a city person looking down to a country person, I'm a country person, so I can kind of say this, but it's somebody looking down to like a farmer and seeing that as like a detestable job, and Genesis says the Egyptians saw this as an abomination. And the final thing we see, the final reason why I believe he's running today is he's so helpless, and that one we most often run. Like he runs to a well and he doesn't even have a bucket to get water from the well. Like, have you noticed that? He had to wait for these daughters to come up with a bucket for him to get his water. That is how helpless he is. Notice that he's back at the water and he's helpless. So we at this point of the story know more about Moses than he does. He's completely helpless, he's ran from his heritage. and running, he is deconstructing himself in hopes to reconstruct himself and make himself somebody And in running, he is fleeing from the consequences of his revealed sin. And what Moses is learning and what you might not know is this, that God sees us run and God knows the destination. I'll say that again. God sees us run, and God knows the destination. So many of you feel this today because you have ran before. You've ran so hard, and the destination was Jesus. You, you, You came to the end of this road that you were on, and you found Jesus at the end of it. Maybe today you are currently running. God knows the destination. You see, in Moses, this is so exciting, in Moses' decision to run, he has run into the promised land. He has run into the land that he is one day going to lead the Hebrew people to. He's run into the promised land. God sees us run, and God knows the destination. And this, I hope you see this, Moses is so much like us. We sin We try to hide our sin, we run, we sin, we try to hide our sin, we run. And then this happens, and this is so cool. I want you to read this with me. This is actually another account of Moses in the New Testament. It's in Hebrews 11, 24 through 27. It says this, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the, repro- the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of, his, of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. God sees our faith and God knows we need Jesus. You see, we're so much like Moses, because we sin, we try to hide our sin, we run, but here's what's so cool about us as Christians is we have faith, right? You look at the story of the Gospels and Jesus walking on earth, and what he's looking for is people who have, he doesn't even say big faith, he says little faith, faith the size of a mustard seed. He's looking for people With faith, God sees our faith, and God knows we need Jesus. And I hope you see this in this passage in Hebrews that I just read because it's something I hope you wrestle with. Maybe you've wrestled with it before. If you haven't wrestled with this yet, you probably need to. It says this, and it's so powerful. It is so powerful. It it just I don't know. It just confirms the importance of the Old Testament to me and confirms the importance of us reading Exodus and looking into these Old Testament characters. It says this, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater. He considered the reproach of Christ greater. Do you get what that's saying? Moses is an Old Testament character and he's considering, he's thinking about the suffering, the passion of Jesus. Okay, I don't know if that made sense just then. He's an old testament character, and he's thinking about a New Testament character, Jesus, who dies on the cross for us. What this tells us is that even Old Testament characters knew that they needed Jesus. They needed the suffering of Jesus. And here in this moment, because Moses had this little faith, he's actually thinking about Jesus coming and saving him from his sins. Isn't that powerful? I hope that transforms the way you look at Old Testament characters because they also needed Jesus. They looked forward to Jesus. He's an Old Testament character considering the reproach, the suffering, the passion of Jesus greater. The gospel is found in every passage of scripture and in this passage today, Moses considered the suffering of of Jesus, the passion of Jesus. Hebrews indicates that Moses had done a good thing here to be thinking about this, to have this little faith, to let go of the turmoil in his past and to in faith look forward to his home of peace. And we are like Moses because we long for a home with no oppression. We long for a home of rest. We long for God to fulfill his promises in our lives. This earth, this planet is not our home. And we step forward in faith and God, sees, and God gives us what we need. He gives us Jesus. Jesus is the destination and Jesus is our home. That is so important to know because God sees you and God knows you. There is this intimate relationship that you get to have with Jesus, and I hope you have that today, because God sees you, and he knows you. He takes time. He sees you in your suffering. He sees you in your struggling, and he, he loves you. He cares for you. He died on the cross for you. God sees you, and God knows you. So at the end of Exodus, God sees his people, and God knows his people. There's a similarity in the way that Moses was beginning to just blend in with the Midianites and the Hebrews were beginning to blend in with the Egyptians. And it's in this moment that we actually get this final passage. It's such a cliffhanger, okay? Exodus 2, 23 through 25, I want to read this today. It's where we get this uh, phrase that you're going to hear over and over again. During those many days the king of Egypt died, okay? The snake Okay, this this person who's caused all this oppression died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Okay, I want you to notice this. The cause of all their troubles has died and they are still groaning. Okay, maybe they considered Pharaoh dying their salvation, but it wasn't salvation enough. So what do we do with this? What do we do with these God sees and God knows uh, points that we looked at today? I have four things I want you to do. so you can write these down. First of all, I just want you to hear this. First Corinthians 14:33 says this: "God is not the God of confusion, but of peace. God is the God of confusion is not the God of confusion, but of peace. I'm going to say that one more time. God is not the God of confusion, but of peace. If you're experiencing confusion today, if you're confused about your calling, if you're confused about who you are, that confusion, the source of that confusion is not God. Okay? The source of that confusion is probably coming either from within or it's coming from the broken world that we live in. But God, he's a God of peace. So what I encourage so many people to do, if they are struggling, if they need need peace today, is just to ask for it. Just spend time with God. Ask him for his peace, because he is a God of peace, and he gives peace generously. I wonder if today you just need to spend time in prayer. I want you to remember this. Psalms 46, 8 through 11, says this. I just want you to remember this, in these times of war, in these times of struggle, just be still. God just invites you to join him in the stillness. Be still. The third one, this is fun. Maybe it will shape some of the Bible studies you have moving forward. It might shape how you approach things as a life group. Uh, you can write this down, God sees blank, and God knows blank. I had so much fun this week uh, taking that phrase, reading scripture, finding truth based off of it. Maybe if you're wanting to shape, something to shape, maybe a tool for how you approach the Bible, this is one fun thing you can do is just do that. See God in every passage. See Jesus in every passage. So see that, see see it in your life, see where God sees and God knows. And then finally this. So I want you to hear the first thing, remember the second, see the third, but I hope, I hope you know this. This comes from Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. And it says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints, and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account." I say I hope you know this today because this passage of Scripture just screams Jesus to me. He is our high priest, okay? If you want more information on that, you can go back and listen to previous messages. But he is the one. He's he's approached God, and now we can approach God, too, through Jesus. It's so incredible. We can walk in confidence. We can know that we have salvation and that we don't have to hide our sins. We don't have to do that anymore because we can look to him, Jesus, on the cross. I hope You know that. And maybe it's been revealed to you today, and I just want to encourage you to continue to read this passage. Let it sink in. Let it become implanted in you. Jesus joins us in our weakness. Jesus is our home. So you might be looking for a way out today. And during this, you must remember God sees and God knows. So I want to pray for us and then we'll enter back into worship. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. I just want to thank you for this passage of scripture, just how it ends with like this cliffhanger saying that you see, you know, you understand, you sympathize, you, you've experienced the weakness, you, 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 you've wore our sin on the cross. I just want to pray that as we move forward that we just see you, God. We know you because you see us and you know us in Jesus' name.